she was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski. Chloe is here, by the way. Hi, Chloe. What's up? It's me. <laughs> Chloe, I should say first, Chloe's our guest today. And I am interrupting my own mini-series about the broads that they called crazy because on Friday night, I went to the movies and I saw Miss Viola Davis in The Woman King and... I was like immediately texting Chloe. I did not text Chloe during the movie because I was enraptured by it. And I like could not take my eyes off of the screen or of of Viola Davis or anyone on screen. And then afterwards I was like, Chloe, you have to see this movie. And Chloe was like, okay, I'll go right now. And (laughs) Chloe saw the movie too and basically was like, oh yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I think we need to tell our audiences how good this movie is. And talk just a little bit, just a little bit about it because... If you're a fan of this show, you're going to love The Woman King. You are <laughs> going to love say. The Woman King. And, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, why am I so obsessed with bringing, like, talking about movies like this on our podcast? And I think it's because there's just, like, seldom such a pure, strong, not male gaze-ified feminist movie. And, like, I feel like even movies that call themselves feminist movies often have, like, they're often directed by men or written by men, and they don't embrace and, like, really lean into strong women and women's stories that are really difficult to tell. And then when a movie does, it blows my mind. And I'm such a big believer in putting my money into projects that are promoting equality and strength and not these like misogynistic stupid pieces we see over and over again and so I was just so so excited so I don't know what Chloe why did you want to talk about Woman King (laughs) because it's amazing amazing. Uh, because it's amazing because like I when I saw the trailer I was like that movie looks like it's gonna be good that movie looks like it's up my alley I, I did text you. You texted from... it to me and you were like, Sarah, I think you're going to like this movie. <laughs> yes. I de- and I was still in the theater when I texted you that. Granted, it was still just the trailers, so I didn't feel as bad. Like, I'm not going to text during a movie, but like the next trailer had started. And so I, te- I was like, Sarah, you have to watch the trailer for The Woman King as soon as possible. <laughs> and like, quite frankly, I don't think I watch as many trailers as you do, Chloe. I feel like you are much more of like a film, like you know what's happening in film, I think much more than I do, generically speaking. <laughs> That's just because I go to the theater like at least once a week, sometimes as many as three times a week. <laughs> I love that about you. And I just don't have, I just don't go and see everything. But you do. Anyway, so we see this movie. I think, what did it, what was it that I texted you, Chloe, when the movie got out? Wasn't I just like, Viola Davis has the Oscar this year for sure. And if she doesn't, I'm going to burn down Hollywood. That's basically what you said. I think that might be word for word almost. Let me see. <laughs> you don't have to look I'm gonna, at it. I'm going to scroll up. It was something about burning it down if she doesn't get the Oscar. Because her performance was just... She's always good, first of all. I should say, I've never seen her play something that she was bad in. Or, or not great in, even. Which you can't really say about, like, very many actors. Like, even actors I love have a few... She- shitty movies usually and i don't think i have one for her that i've seen did you find the text i did <laughs> so the text starts holy shit and that was it that was you just said holy shit 
And oh, so I sent you a bunch of question marks. And you said, Woman King is so good. Like, unreal. Best movie of the year. If Iola doesn't get the Oscar, I'm burning Hollywood down. There it is. I almost remembered it exactly, which is really unusual for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's talk about Viola. We have to talk about Viola. And, and I mean, we should talk about the director, too. Because Gina Prince-Bythewood has been going for it for... Over 20 years now she's been directing, you know? I'm, like, really embarrassed to admit on this podcast out loud to the world that I have not seen Love and Basketball. And that is one of her biggest movies, right? That's, like, what put her on the map. That was her first feature. Yeah, that one really sort of made a name for her. And then, I mean, she went a long time in between directing jobs, probably because Hollywood is both misogynist and racist and just couldn't find a place for her to direct more things. But she like did a little bit of TV. Um, Her next big movie was the secret life of bees. I don't think I saw that either. Did you? I don't think I did. Um, If this is the one I think it is. Okay. I do remember this movie coming out, but I didn't see it. I was still in my phase where I was jealous of Dakota Fanning for stealing my career. (laughs) Of all the people to be jealous of. Ugh, I used to have I used to have such vitriol against Dakota Fanning. So I was like, I could play these roles. But not like Anya Taylor-Joy? I, by that point, I was, I'm, I'm too old, you know? Like, I Anya guess. Taylor-Joy's, you know, getting the roles. If I was 10 years younger, I might be like, fuck Anya Taylor-Joy. But no, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. Love I adore her. her. Okay, She's but we're not so talking good. about her. We're talking no, about no, no. Viola. She's not in The Woman King. And I, yeah, I admit, I had not heard Gina's name before. And so... Did you watch her the, her Netflix movie? It was called The Old Guard. The yeah, Charles oh, I Theron did see movie. that one. And that was great, too. That was a great movie. It was really fun. Like, if you love action movies and, like, spy, thriller... And if you love Charlize Theron being just like a fucking badass, like that movie was really fun. And it was kind of a unique story. I like enjoyed, it was a different take, I think, than most movies in that genre where you had like, am I remembering it correctly? Like they, a lot of them were like really old. They like couldn't die. And so some of them were like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And some of them like might be thousands of years old. Yeah. Charlize Theron's like ancient, like as old as the earth almost. Yeah, that was and that was a cool like sci-fi take on an action movie. And like how good you'd be as a warrior if you fought and died that much and like how much you would learn from that. Anyway, that was a cool movie. I forgot that that was her too cuz I didn't remember her name. And the movie, the credits rolled and her name comes up and I was like, "Oh my god, she is it." Because everything about the movie was so tight. Like the cinematography was beautiful. The story Gorgeous. was absolutely gorgeous. Some of those shots, I was like, I, I'm struggling for the words because I I just feel like so seldom do I see like such beautiful cinematography that's not in, in like an art film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, art films like go to like special lengths to like really get these kind of crazy shots. But like when you have like an action fighting movie and the fights, the fights are so good. It just all and that doesn't happen unless you have a, a great director. Oh, yeah. And any cinematographer vision. will tell you. How hard it is to capture dark, dark skin at night and still yes. have it look gore. And it looks so gore. It looks so good. It's so good. You it, Genuinely, I can't even express how good every single shot of this movie looks. Actually, who should I? I should look up the, um, I should look up who the gaffer was. Because usually, did you know that's usually because of 
the, the gaffing, the lighting. Yeah. And I knew this because for a time in my life, I was a lighting designer too. And, you know, they never taught me in school the difference between lighting white skin versus not white skin, like brown and black skin. And like, there's a serious difference between like some of the core colors that you lay out and what they do on on skin with more melanin like uh, most white people and white lighting designers like for the longest time just didn't didn't know they didn't know and if they did know didn't care but most of them i just think i don't know it's this whole, goes back to fucking racism it, they, you know it always comes back to racism and just not understanding like how to make everyone beautifully equally because the light that that melanated skin looks good in doesn't even make white people look bad <laughs> like it's like but but then it just makes the oh my god i mean first of all everyone in the movie is also incredibly beautiful so that it also helps that the cast is yeah it like, does not hurt dawning i'm still looking up the here i'm looking up the gaffer i did a control f for gaffer i found uh Gillies Boisic, 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 looks like a guy from his photo. Oh. And then, but he's the second unit gaffer. Then there's the rigging gaffer who's named Don Hoffman. That sounds like a guy's name. Uh, and most of his credits are, or his top credits are the TV show Black Sails, something called 24 Hours to Live. Oh, just gaffer is Oliver Wilter. Who did Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, that has a huge part of it. And then also having a director that's also like in an art department that's like knows what they're doing and that, that they all bring that vision together. Holy shit. I'm talking about everything all at once. I'm sure the audience is like what Sarah pull it together. <laughs> well, the movie also was a was a financial hit this weekend. Was it? Yeah. Considering the time of year it is and how little people have been going to theaters over the last few weeks, it made yeah. over over $20 million opening weekend, which is a pretty nice opening. That's pretty good. It's it's quite good. The box office podcast I listened to was, was very, very pleased with the result. Because the theater I saw it in was like friggin' empty. There were like 20 people in it. Isn't that weird? That is weird. My theater was packed. And it was a good crowd. I think that um, I have a theory about it because I live like in the heart of Hollywood. And so the movie theater like across the street from me is basically the Chinese theater, which they have the main like IMAX. And then they have all of the smaller theaters like up on the third floor or whatever. Yeah, you are really close to the Chinese theater. It's great. But we so it wasn't in the IMAX because the Bowie movie Daydream, whatever, was there. So we saw it in the, the upstairs Chinese theaters. Which I see a lot of movies in all the time, because I'm not always interested in whatever the IMAX is. But I think that because of the opening of Bowie was like a blowout, they had everything shut down, like all in my neighborhood, the whole day on Friday. I think like every tourist and person was like, don't go to Hollywood this weekend, it's crazy. Because the mall and everything was like empty and the theater was empty and it was crazy to me. Um, I was nervous about I was nervous about Woman King. I like left it being like, oh my god, I hope people see this movie. They have to see this movie. Oh my god, we have to podcast about it. We have to do all this stuff about it. Everyone has to see it. Ah. Yeah. Also, did you did you see like a four o'clock showing or something? Did you see like an early show? It was like a four thirty, but it's still Friday. Like most people. Yeah. Yeah. That you would think that yeah, would be busier Friday. too. Hmm. I thought it was strange, but anyway. My nine thirty showing was was full. Good. It might just be the name. It might be because I live in a, a touristy hood. Yeah. Oh, and how about Lashana Lynch? Oh my God. 
and John Boyega, who does really great fucking work in it. Yeah. I, like, didn't know how his chops were because Star Wars was is just not a great litmus test, I guess, mm-hmm. for actors. Like, I, th- I feel like all the actors in Star Wars were good, but, like, the material's not showcasey in terms no. of, like, you know, people's real skill. It's, it's like, all kind of action story plot moving stuff. And, and so he really, like, this was, like, a meaty... This is the meatiest thing I've seen him do. Have you seen him in something else that... I just saw him, like, maybe two weeks ago in a movie called Breaking which is a movie about him robbing a bank, but not really robbing a bank. It's a true story. It's 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 billed as the, the modern day dog day afternoon. He's a, he's a veteran who uh, they just stopped paying him his disability money. So he, he like does everything he can, he can think of to get them to give his disability and they don't. And so he holds up this bank and he's like, this is the only thing I can think of that will, get the attention of the media on on me and on this issue huh yeah and he's um, he is incredible in it he's already such like a strong voice when it comes to like speaking his mind against like injustices and and bullshit and like i appreciate that about him and i know like the star wars fanhood like hates him for it Mm -hmm. but i always like really deeply appreciate that when i feel like an actor is like more plugged in to what's going on and like cares and isn't afraid to say it and is still getting cast and still like sometimes when actors speak out they just end up like their career their their burgeoning career ends up kind of like falling flat because people perceive them to be like high maintenance or bad or something like that Mm -hmm. and i'm just like i'm just thrilled that doesn't seem to be the case for him okay maybe we should okay for our listeners maybe we should go back a little bit and just talk a little bit about the the movie like what it's about yeah if you've (laughs) never heard of the woman king or don't know what we're talking about here which is it's possible i'm sure there's people out there who've never heard of this 20 million is a big debut but it's not you know, Avengers level. Okay, so so the movie takes place in a country called Dahomey in Africa, which is uh, was in West Africa. It doesn't exist any longer under that name, so it's like it, it's a, a couple different states now. Um, but it's like bordering Nigeria. It's in that that area of of like central West Africa. And the movie itself takes place, what is it, around 17... Oh, no, 1818. So King Gesso, who is uh, John Boyega's character, is the king, the king of the movie. And the real-life King Gesso ruled eight, from 1818, it looks like, to 1858. So that is certainly kind of supposedly the time period where this story takes place. But this story is not supposed to actually be... Uh, it's not biographical. So the events in the movie are not documented in history, but the movie is set in a real place, in a place that really existed with like the power struggles of the time. And the, and the whole central premise of the movie is that Dahomey, they're protected by this band of female warriors, not a band, but a military, a literal military that is made up all of females. And they take a vow when they join that they're not going to get married. Not, I think wasn't their vow also like they weren't even going to have 
sex and flirt with guys and like they they were basically going to be kind of like chaste monks in a way um in the or like priests but fighting priests <laughs> yeah warrior priests War, warrior priests um and so they are these amazing incredible warriors like next level they do know how to use guns and Dahomey has guns from the trading that they've done but like most of their fighting is like by hand and with spears now i don't know if that is really their fictional style but they are like if you like do generic googles about Dahomey and um oh my gosh what's the name of the army Chloe you know you just looked it up uh the agoji the agoji women warriors the women mili- the female military they are, if you do generic Googles about Dahomey and the soldiers, they are considered like the African Amazons, kind of. Like that's like a term that people associate with them, which not all female warriors are the same, but I'll take it because I think Amazons are pretty <laughs> fucking rad. <laughs> it's, more, it's like, it's what, you know, the colonizers who arrived there called them. Yeah. Just like, oh, wow, an all-female fighting squad. I guess they're the African Amazons or the whatever we want to call them. Yeah. And so um, and Dahomey in the movie, and in, as it was in real life, uh, is kind of constantly at war with its neighboring countries, its neighboring tribes. And they are, uh, Oyo is one of the, their neighbors that they are fighting against, which was a real country. And I can't remember the name of the other. They they were fighting a few different, but Oyo, I think, was the main tribe in this movie. Yeah, that that's they were fighting. the only one that they like frequently name check as being like yeah. the danger. And they seem to be participating much more in selling people to slavery and also like exactly raiding the the villages of their neighboring countries etc yes and that is a so the movie does center around the slave trade in the region which is not just performed by the white people in the movie there are two no i guess there's extras in the scenes but there's like one fully white and one partially white character that are kind of like central-ish figures um, and then the actual guards and shit when they're like in the trade center that are like selling people. And But, you know, a big part of the story is also the fact that the African tribes themselves were taking captives and selling them so that they could get supplies, etc., etc. And I do I do feel like at this point, I just want to say me and Chloe are white. <laughs> if you don't know that already. Yeah, if you couldn't tell. You know, we're not going to do a social commentary on it because we are not qualified. Yeah. You know you know who does do a great job discussing it? It's this movie. This movie. Just go see so, this movie. Maybe, yeah, if you're curious about any of the stuff that we're touching on. Yeah. Check and, it out. And the central character, Vi- Viola Davis's character, um, her name is uh, Nan- Naniska. Did I say it right? Naniska? I don't, I don't I think so. It's close enough. What do you think it is? I, I don't think it's say. Naniska. I think it was Naniska. Yeah, it's there's just like <laughs> specific ways that they pronounce it in the movie. Like I don't know if it's like Naniska or something that's like. You're probably right. So, I have only seen it once. I have to go again. I have to go again. Yeah, I would see it again in a heartbeat. Or is it Nanis Naniska? Naniska. Does that sound right? That's, I don't know. Uh, I gotta watch it again and report back to you again. On this movie, I guess. It's my sworn duty. But she plays um, Naniska, who is the general of this, of the Agoji. And she is badass from the beginning of the movie. Like, the, it, at the point where the movie begins, she is a weathered general. Like, she's seen some shit. She has these scars all over her body. So, you know, she's like, 
really seen war. I mean, the movie opens with a raid on uh, one of the neighboring tribes, like encampments, right? And they're just like flipping around and killing them. And they kill a ton of these du- these dudes. And then they only lose like one of their own soldier- so- soldiers in that first fight in the movie. They're like intro fight. We'll call it the intro mm-hmm. fight. And so she is like a weather general. And part of the storyline is actually her trying to convince the king, King Gaso, to stop participating in the trading the slave trade and to try alternate ways of raising money so that's like a big theme in the movie itself and uh that is i mean i don't gosh i see that the trick in talking about it chloe is we don't want to give it away at all but um viola davis's performance it's such a rich character first of all like in general we just almost never see women play characters that are are so 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 rich as as a when we meet Naniska, she's like this really like emotionless like we never see her kind of express emotion other than kind of like disappointment and anger at the disobedience of some of the the younger people. So the, this other character Nawe is this young girl who's come in. Or, um, or really, her dad like gives her to the king, and they're like, "Well, here, see if you can be more or less qualified to be an agoji, um, because you have to go through this kind of training period, and then you have to pass a test in order to become officially uh, an agoji." And so, there's several several scenes early in the movie where Nawi is like kind of crying because things are really f- rough in Amazon training camp, and um, Naniska is like, "Don't cry, you can't cry. That's not allowed here." And as the movie like develops, we see like way more of the character than this like tough general. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give any of it away, but one of the the best scenes of the movie is when we like see through the cracks of that. It's a silent scene, first of all, like because the part I'm talking about is after Nawe, the the young girl walks away, and then Viola has this like fucking three full minutes at least with the camera, mm. and she's experiencing some in some really intense emotions and she doesn't even say a word and it's like i'm just like as an actor i'm getting chills right now thinking about it again i'm, I'm covered in goosebumps right now covered in goosebumps and it is just such an astounding astounding scene and also there were lots of other great scenes too oh yeah i'm just picturing the one that I, without giving anything away there's a scene after it first crosses her mind that some potential twist might be what's happening. Mm-hmm. And she just quickly exits the situation to go uh, ponder yeah. that information. And yeah. one of her, her fellow Agoji, like her, probably her second in command, closest confidant person yes. comes in and is like, what is going on? Amensa. And, Amensa. I love yes. her. She was great. Oh, she was so good. Yeah. And wow, Viola Davis. Wow! Give wow. her the Oscar. Just give give it her, to her. Just give it to her. I don't care what other movies come out. She's already won a Best Supporting. Time for Best Lead. Like well, well deserved. So well earned. And you know, there's a whole bunch of scenes. Also, this is like worth noting. I feel like because I'm so sick of like bathtub scenes where we always see women's tits out, and like there's several scenes in the hot baths because these warriors. I feel like I feel qualified to talk about it because I do CrossFit and I'm sore all the time and I take and I always I'm soaking in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, if you're fighting hard ass, like training all day, you're going to want to fucking soak in the bath. And despite the fact that they have all these bath scenes where like these women are talking in the bath and like having like 
some of some of the heftiest scenes in the movie literally happen in that room. But they're mm-hmm. they're wearing clothes, like they're wearing like bath clothes, and there's no nudity. And first of all, just love that because it's so easy for studios and shit to be like, well, we need the nudity to make the money. We need the, you know, mm-hmm. we, we need the we need guys to be into this movie. So we got to show some boobs. And you know what? It's not true. My boyfriend loved the movie and there were no boobs in it. No boobs. Yeah. You don't need boobs Mm-mm. for the movie to be good. You don't. It's a fact. <laughs> in fact, I would argue that. You know, movies that dare not to do that tend to actually be better written and have, like, more respectable characters in general. Yeah, they seem like they're made by people who have the courage of their convictions. Yeah, I would say that's true. What else haven't we talked about about this movie? Um, I don't know, but those bathhouses looked real cozy, real nice. Oh, (laughs) we talked a little bit about Lashana Lynch. Fuck, man, I didn't know she was that funny. She's great. Yeah, I didn't either. She's incredible. I'm low-key obsessed with her, by the way. I've been low-key obsessed with her since Captain Marvel. I've been like, who is that chick? Oh my God, I want to be her best friend. How can I be in a movie with her? And then she was in the Bond movie, which I still haven't seen. <laughs> because <laughs> because I live like a, a weird workaholic monk right now. Maybe she shot. Did she shine in the Bond movie? Was she great in it? She doesn't have a ton to do, but she is great in, in what she has. Well, she shines like a fucking bright star in oh this yeah movie. after after viola she's probably my favorite yes character in the movie yeah and she becomes kind of like the big sister of the young the young girl nawi um she isn't the big sister but like she like kind of takes her in and like talks her through her rough <laughs> her rough transition mm-hmm. into the into the agoji through the training and all that stuff yeah she's just is such a such a great character I think I can say this without ruining it, but towards the end of the movie, some some real shit goes down, and this particular character who's, like, incredibly tough the whole movie, like, one of the first scenes we see her in, she is standing with another member of the Dahomey, this dude, this big-ass dude, and they have a two-sided spear between them, and they're basically playing, like, tug-of-war but by, mm-hmm. like, pushing on the spear to, like, push the other person yeah, far over the, the line. the opposite of tug-of-war. It's, it's the opposite pu- of, like, I don't know. Push, I don't, push, a, push a spear. Push a spear. And she's this tough chick, and she's funny. And then there's this scene towards the end of the movie where all of a sudden she loses hope. And she becomes a completely different person than we've seen the entire movie. I don't think that ruins the movie. No. It's just like a character beat we have. And it's fair to assume towards the end of the movie, some characters will be losing hope for some reason. Well, yeah. Shit is hard. In this movie, this movie is like, there's tough shit going on in this whole movie. But it's not gratuitous tough shit either. It's like, which I I appreciate about it. It's PG-13, ultimately. Is it really? Yeah, they don't go. I I had assumed going into it that it was rated R just based on the the subject material and everything. But then, yeah, it's PG-13 and... For, for what they're talking about, it's like, it's a fun movie. It, it has a similar sort of structure almost to the, the new Top Gun movie where it's like, huh. well, we've got a mission we got to go on. We got to train for it. We got to develop our characters along the way. Yeah. And then we're going to have our mission. <laughs> that is actually totally accurate. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we didn't have to watch Tom Cruise on screen the whole movie. No, we got Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I'll, I'll take her over Tom Cruise any day. Any day. 
I just don't think she's going to be doing the crazy Mission Impossible stuff he's doing. No, but let me just say, I mean, for those of you like me who are muscle aficionados, she is stacked. Like you see her, like, you know, she, if you saw Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, she put on a lot of weight for that movie because Ma Rainey herself was a large woman. And she is like un, almost unrecognizable. She is strong and not like skinny strong like Hollywood is like, oh, mm-hmm. this little chick, you can see like the lines of her bones. She's so strong. No, she is like, she's like what my boyfriend and I term a solid piece of meat. <laughs> When we, like, watch the CrossFit games, we're like, oh, yeah, that person's a a solid piece of meat. Um, (laughs) Just a slab. That was, like, more information than anyone needed about my personal life. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she's stacked. She obviously trained hard and put on muscle and, like, you know, when you are getting ready for, like, a role like that, like, I know everyone is usually obsessed with, like, just gaining and losing weight, but getting strong like that for a role, like, you know, like, I think, you know, Hemsworth does that for Thor... Other actors, I'm sure, like, John Cena does that for, like, Peacemaker and shit. Or, you know. Yeah. And you see the know. big guys. John Cena, it feels like he just kind of lives at that size. <laughs> but you the do. The Rock, too. Anyone who was a pro wrestler at some point, it's just like. But even is, those guys. Because I, I do follow The Rock on social media because he's very entertaining. I don't follow very many celebrities because I find it all kind of annoying. But The Rock mm-hmm. is, like incredibly entertaining and even the rock for movies he bulks up and he's got to like build that muscle and he spends a lot of time in the gym doing that and women almost never i think get that assignment when they get a role which it really annoys that's me. true that's true but viola has done it she's like she's like a goddess she's like the way i felt about the women in the training scene in the first wonder woman like when you're watching because some of those women were crossfitters too by the way <laughs> mm-hmm. always bringing it back to crossfit but like just these women who are so strong and so capable and they don't need someone to save them obviously and i love that there were there really are no hero men in the movie i mean they i get well just one yeah honestly i one of my favorite things about it is that it showcases the the shades of gray within like the the differences and also the stark contrasts between men and women even within your own group yes like like this dude from another tribe oh shit he's like the villain of the movie and then there's also our king who is ostensibly our our hero like the person we're doing all this for but even he has some opinions about women and things that he says and does at various points where you're yeah. just like, oh, like this is who we're doing this for? Like, oh, can man. we just get that woman I mean, king already? Some of my favorite scenes of the movie. So, so King Geso has like a cadre of wives. So, so Naniska and the warriors are not his wives. They are not married. They're these kind of chaste warriors but he has a, a boutique of like, yeah he's he's got all these really beautiful bitches that are he's got his, his lovers his women his wives right and then there's several scenes between the wives and naniska because they clearly hate her because the king like gives her time and it, it's not like time for blowjobs, okay? It's like time to discuss warrior stuff. Right, it's but time the, to take her opinion seriously. But the wives are very jealous that she has his ear and that she gets so much time with him. And one in particular. And like, oh, who's the, what's the name of the character that's the super bitchy one? <laughs> the the, the power-hungry one? Is it Shantae? Um, 
I could not tell you. I think, anyway, she's like the opposite of Viola Davis's character because she's like incredibly dressed up, tons of jewelry, tons of sexy clothes with like, you know, that have like some tasteful side boob and like, you know, and like show her her skinny waist and belly and like, you know, like she's like the clueless character (laughs) or whatever that's like so dressed up and so beautiful contrasting that and it's so I feel like it's so rare to kind of get a slice of that and like the true differentiation like like even in those high school movies you have like the hot pretty girls and the other girl I'm thinking of like mean girls and like but really kind of everybody (laughs) is pretty you know there's not like that big of a difference between the personalities of all of them whereas here Mm -hmm. we have like really distinctive and women who are I mean I guess you think about it they're they're trying to kind of I don't think of Naniska as trying to achieve power in the movie I didn't feel like that was what she was going for but certainly this like top hot wife definitely is like trying to go for number one spot with the king and she's like vying for it and like her tactics and how she goes about it versus Naniska Viola who's like doesn't give a shit and is still like right. has more yeah, power than like her a, and is great. There's like a Game of Thrones subplot, yeah, uh, uh, running tangentially to the movie. Oh my god, audience, you have to go see it. Even if you think this might not be a movie that you'll like, go see it. I would say the only reason you might not like it is if you really hate fight scenes and if you really hate like killing because. That's a part of fighting in this movie is I mean, killing. Yeah. <laughs> but like other than like Chloe said, it's PG thirteen. So it's not like, you know, they're not doing like Braveheart extended torture scenes like you know, right. and there's and like I said, there's no nudity. But Gina did cite Braveheart as one of her inspirations for some of the action in it. It's okay to be inspired by it, but the movie's not yeah, trying to yeah, emulate yeah. it. Like No, it's not it's not on that sort of but I would it's say that Naniska is more is more epic to me than William Wallace in that movie. Like, For holy sure. shit. Yeah. So epic. So audience, you just got to go see it. It's just a great historical action drama. Yeah. Semi-historical. We'll say semi-historical. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's one thing we didn't say is that it's not specifically based on a true story. Correct. Like, but it's based on true, like, things that were going on at a time in history and some of the characters are based on real people. Yeah. But, like, the actual storyline that it follows and, like, the characters that are sort of our central plot characters, that that mm-hmm. all seems like it was made up. The central characters, so Naniska and, and Nawi, the young, the young girl who's, like, the brand new recruit. Those are kind of the two storylines that interweave. And there's other like minor character storylines that are also also really interesting and fun to watch which sometimes you can't say that like sometimes you have your main characters who you're interested in and then everyone else you're like geez could have we cut 45 minutes off this movie and just got rid of us <laughs> but for this i just wanted i just wanted more yeah, no this is a lean lean two hours and 15 minutes but it doesn't feel like two hours and 14 minutes exactly like i don't i don't think i can think of anything i would cut no like everything that happened feels I mean, I think Gina feels... made a very, like, I think her, I'll watch it again and I'll, you know, maybe as with other movies, you find things the more you watch it, but sure. like, it's a pretty tight movie. Gina did a great job. She yeah. is incredible. Like, how can we work with her, Chloe? Should we like tweet out this episode of us praising her and see if 
seven kids on a dragon. Oh my god, so good, so good. The woman. I mean, I'd be happy to do anything with her, you know, honestly. And I hope, I hope that this allows her to make whatever she wants to make next. Yes. Like, because I feel like this came off of the success of the old guard and being like, she really like stamped her name on like, I can do action. And then got to do Woman King. And now it's like, oh, you can do this level of stuff? Like, shit, let's bring you into... I don't know. I don't know what she wants to do next. But I I hope that it's an easy green light. I feel like we've said this on other, other review episodes we've done. But, like, the reason that studios don't let women direct movies, like, tends to be box office related. Like, if you directed something and it wasn't, like, a raging hit, that woman has failed. And she, like, gets, she gets, like, not, maybe not blacklisted, but, like, she isn't allowed another chance. Whereas men fail all the time. Yeah, me, you know, men will fail all the time. Movies that men make fail all the time. But men tend to fail upward in this industry where it's, like, a lot harder for women to break through. And, you know, not every single movie is going to make billions of dollars in the international box office. There's a ton of movies that are made that make far less than that. But for some reason, women have like a harder measuring stick when it comes to the way people think Like you probably know the name of 10 male directors who have never had a movie open to $20 million. Just like name a bunch of male directors and it's rare that a a filmmaker can even even more than once open a movie that big. Yeah. I don't know enough about box office records to, like, actually know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. But even some, like, big name people, like Steven Spielberg, like, the majority of his movies don't open to that. Well, that's because a lot of them are older, too, before the the box office take was that big. But um, That's true. But even, like, since 2000, like, I think Ready Player One did, but, like, West Side Story didn't, you know? Like, there's a whole bunch of his, like, recent movies that just didn't hit that and i feel like that's true of most like most directors and yet they continue to work whereas can people even name 10 female directors right like probably not like i don't even know if i can i know a couple for sure but like do i know 10 i could do it it might take me a minute yeah but i could i could get there man i can't wait for like 15 years from now maybe when when women actually like are respected enough in this industry that the numbers are much more even that would be nice. Yeah, it's, Wouldn't that be nice? We are fast approaching that day, and it makes me very happy. It does. And I think the Woman King is a part of that. 100%. And you look at the 100%. producers on it, and you know, like you see, I'm looking at the list of the producers. It's Viola Davis, Julius Tennant, who is a guy, Maria Bello, who is another actress, mm-hmm. and Kathy Shulman. Who's Kathy Shulman? I'll click on her. Well, her and Maria are both white. I don't know who Kathy Shulman is. They are. She's a producer. I don't either. I didn't know her either. I recognized a couple of her projects, but I didn't recognize her at all. But it looks like she's produced quite a bit. So, but it really takes like producers and so, and some actors with enough clout to like push through some of these scripts. I think. And the screenplay was Dana Stevens. Who's Dana Stevens? She's also a woman, and a white woman. I will. I will just say that the only movie that I have enjoyed more than The Woman King this year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh my god, that movie. Which is another movie about a woman kicking major ass. Major ass. So maybe I have a maybe I have a a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I can't say enough amazing things about it. And I really want to just talk to everybody about it. And I just want to talk to everybody about that scene I'm obsessed with and all the other scenes and all the cinematography. And it's just such a beautiful movie. It's so beautiful at the same time that it's hard and badass and touching, but it's not like a touchy-feely movie. Like, it has scenes that are intense emotions, but, like, man, it's not a girly movie by any means. So if that's the other reason you were thinking about not seeing it, get over yourself yeah. and go see get it. Get over yourself. Great. Go see The get Woman King. <laughs> and I have to just say it again. The more we go to the box office and go see movies like this, the more they get made. Yeah, the more of them we get. Well, thank you, Chloe. I appreciate you joining me for this. Happy to be here. It's always the best with you. You're the best. Aw. Um, we got a good report. Yeah, and we're going to see you back in a few more weeks because you're going to join in on, on some of these um, uh, women they called crazy I episodes. Am. I am. I'm not on Facebook, so I wasn't able to, you know, do <laughs> You your, weren't part uh, of the poll? <laughs> I wasn't part of the poll. But, <laughs> the highly scientific um, poll. Of- but upon hearing what the poll was, I had a suggestion myself. So That's right. Covering a brand new unmentioned broad in that episode. I'm not even going to say her name. I want it to be a surprise for the audience. So audience, you have lots to look forward to. We'll be back next week with the next episode in that series. Um, And if you have missed out the last two weeks, um, we are digging deeply into kind of a theme. And the theme is um, women they called crazy. And some of them may have been crazy. Some of them (laughs) may have been called crazy. And were they or not? And that is the question that we are digging into because I think it's fascinating and that word and its history and how it's weaponized in history against women is very fascinating. So I hope you'll join me for that um, series for the next couple weeks, couple months, really. It's going to take us a little bit to get to these women, but they're also interesting and they're also different in all the same ways all of the rest of our broads have been. So come back next week and we will see you with another broad you should know. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this Broadly Speaking episode. You can learn more about the podcast as well as see our database of Broads You Should Know at broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, click on over to read more about me and Chloe on the About page. Our bios, photos, links to our cool stuff is all there. Are you following Broads You Should Know on social media yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad for future episodes, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you're a fan of this episode and the podcast in general, spread the word about us. Tell your friends and family and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you're really getting excited about this story about these badass African warriors, you should check out some of our other warrior queens. We have Vishpala, Tamiris, and Boudicca, and of course our African and Black queens. We have Queens Ranavalana the first, second, and third, and the three queens of the Virgin Islands. Those are all previous episodes that you're going to want to check out. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.